Hello and welcome back to Onto the Ball. I'm the host, Scott Nicholl, and I'm joined as always by Travis Morgan. And I was going to say a guest, James O.B. O'Brien, but he's a fixture now, so it's a, a three-way hosting. James <laughs> O.B. O'Brien is affiliated to Onto the Ball co-host. You all right with that, O.B.? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Loving it. Brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Nice one. How are you, Trav? You okay? Yeah, really good. Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. So, yeah, it feels quite nice um, doing a podcast when we've got some points in the bag. We've done so many podcasts where we've either drew or got beat. So Liverpool are obviously on the crest of a wave. Six points from six. Patterned up Man City. Put West Ham to bed last night. Six from six. We're buzzing. OB's buzzing. Trav, Man United. I didn't see much of the game last night. But yeah. I did see the goals. From what I did see, Man United absolutely patterned up Spurs who I've tipped yeah. for a safe top four finish. Uh, and I, I read a headline today, which gave me chills, to be honest. The headline said, Man United played like Liverpool. And I thought, really? oh God, <laughs> oh God, Man United. <laughs> Man United are back, if that's the case. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to hit Man United first. There's so much to talk about. Obviously, apologies um, if we've got any viewers that have been liking watching the streams. But I've been on holiday for a week, so we haven't done anything for a week. I did consider giving Obi and Trav a key to my house to come on and log on and do it between them, but they, they didn't fancy it, so they waited for me to come back. So I appreciate that. You wouldn't that. have had your house back, mate. You wouldn't have had it back. <laughs> <laughs> would have been firmly moved in by then. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kick off with uh, Man United. Trav, you've got okay. loads to talk about, loads to tell us about the Newcastle game. Yeah. Ronaldo started. He come off. We seen the the footage of him shaking his head. Obviously, he makes it all about him. Then you moved on yeah. to Spurs, beat them. He didn't even get a sniff, and he made a point again of storming off on eighty nine minutes. So, to start off with mm. Newcastle, what what happened with Newcastle? All right. Well, I'll start off. I'll start off with the game itself. Um, I think it was a game where we were in control of the game. We didn't really look like conceding throughout the game. I know Newcastle had some fairly decent chances. I think they hit the bar a couple of times um, in the first half, but it wasn't like relentless pressure. It was more opportunities on the break, and I think it was a game where we had a lot of the ball. We were sort of knocking on the door, probing, but. Again, we had some chances that we probably should have put away more in the second half. So what, Ronaldo? Not no, not Ronaldo. Rashford. Rashford came on in the second half for Ronaldo, and I think it stretched them. I think Newcastle were pretty comfortable. I think coming to Old Trafford, a point's a great point for them. And I think if you would have asked them um, if they wanted a point before the game, they would have snapped your hands off. So I think it's a fantastic point for Newcastle. But I said in the preview to this game, I was a little bit worried about the Newcastle game. I know they're on good form. Um, they're on the up. Eddie Howe, I think, has done a pretty good job. And I don't think they spent as much money as I thought they were going to spend in the summer. They've made a couple of additions. But I think with the resources that he's got in his team, he's gotten very well organised and very well drilled. And they were missing St. Max and Isaac as well, which are two really key players for them. So it may have been a different game. I mean, Callum Wilson always does a really good job um, for what for what he is. I think he's quite limited in terms of his ceiling and his, and his ability. But you know what you're going to get from him? A lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of occupying centre-halves physically and stuff. And I think he did that. But the part, there, were, there were some positives out of the game for Man United. As I've said um, in the group chat with you boys, we're starting to keep clean sheets now, not concede a lot of goals, barring the Man City game again. Um, that was another clean sheet in the Newcastle game. And I think it, it sort of set us up for the Spurs game because if you looked at that block of fixtures, Newcastle, Chelsea, Saturday, Spurs sandwiched in between that, the, the three really big games and the sides in and around the top four hunt, in and around the European hunt. So I think if we can come out of that Chelsea game unbeaten as well, um, I think we would have done well over those three games. So the Newcastle game, we had chances to nick it at the end. Rashford had a point-blank header from about eight yards out, put it wide. 
right at the death and I thought he was going to snatch the three points which would have been a great three points for us because as I've said I think Newcastle's a really difficult game mm. I think we controlled the game without really looking too flustered but I think a draw was probably about the fair result on reflection it was a game full of controversy as well a lot of decisions by the referee and I think the referee actually got demoted to the championship for this weekend's really? set of fixtures. Yeah, it, it was that bad. I think Newcastle would have felt aggrieved that they didn't get a penalty. It was it was a couple of decisions where you've seen them given in the box. Sancho did a little bit of trickery and got fouled in the box. No penalty given. Ronaldo, again, with a controversial offside... Well, not offside goal. It was basically he felt that the game had restarted. So he, he, he rounded the keeper and put it into an empty net. And all the... The United players surrounded the referee saying, can you look at VAR? We feel the game's restarted. The goal was disallowed. So it was full of controversy. And I think it was a game that was quite stop-start. So I think a draw was about a fair result with Newcastle. Yeah, fair but enough. The Tottenham... yeah, sorry, sorry Trey, just to carry on no, with no. The, uh, the Newcastle. What was the thinking behind Ronaldo starting then? Because I said on the previous stream that he's fully frozen out. Ten Hag is obviously disgusted at him trying to leave in the summer and he's just going to get Europa ball until maybe January when he, he leaves. So was he, is he hold, holding out an olive branch to Ronaldo or was he, was Rashford not fully fit? What was, why why yeah. did he start? My understanding was Rashford wasn't, um, was feeling a little bit under the weather. I think he was ill. Christian Eriksen was actually out with illness. So a couple of players had it. But I think it was sort of needs must like. We hadn't got much cover. Martial's injured again. So I don't know when he's going to be back. It's probably going to be a few weeks before he's back. So we haven't got that many options. So again, he gave Ronaldo a start. I don't I think I thought he was quite poor in the game. I think he's lost his pace now. Really? So he can't stretch teams. And you can see that before he was quick, don't get me wrong, but he was just more explosive Ronaldo in his heyday like that short sharp over 10 yards he could just shift and bang do you know what I mean once it was out of his feet he was looking to let off he hasn't got that explosive nature anymore and it doesn't surprise you the guy's 37 but he's sort of caught between a rock and a hard place because I think he's finding it very difficult to accept that he's just not the same player anymore in his head he still thinks he can score 20 25 30 goals which he probably can if he's presented with the service, but football's so much more of a team game now. Do you know what I mean? I think like then you need to do so much off the ball, or the top teams do so much work off the ball. Like you said, Liverpool when when they're in their pomp, everybody's at it in terms of the pressing and the winning the ball back. And um, I just don't think I think you're just carrying him now, and it's and it's sad to say as a Man United fan. Do you know what I mean? Club legend. I loved watching Ronaldo back in the day when he was here. But now, I, I think we just should have cut our losses in the summer. I said it to you, Scott. Like It was only going to end in tears. I think when he signed, should have been a one-year contract, see how it goes after the first year. And if, if it's good for all parties, then you extend. But to give him two years, I think we felt like we were stuck with him on a massive pay packet and nobody wanted him. And it's ending sour now. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, Roy Keane said it. Was it after the Man City game? He, mm. he he reiterated Ronaldo had opportunities to leave in the summer. I know this for sure. And you think, well, yeah, he might have had opportunities to leave. And that opportunity might have been Napoli, who didn't want to pay a transfer fee and were only offering him 100k a week. That isn't an yeah. opportunity. A, Man United no. would want some money back from him. And B, Ronaldo's going to want close to half a million a week. So... Yeah. You know, it's it's, and I said to you in the summer he will be doing Ten Hag a favor if he leaves, won't he? Really, because yeah. Ten Hag wants to start fresh, build a new squad. The last thing he needs is Ronaldo lingering around. But I don't know what you were thinking, Ob. But when I seen him, I'm not shocked him shaking his head on the bench trying to make it all about him. But this is probably his behavior. Unfortunately for us Liverpool fans. This is going to be the the end of silly signings like Ronaldo or Alexis Sanchez on 400, 500k a week in in their thirties, and that obviously spells bad news for the rest of Premier League because Man United are going to try and focus their signings better. 
Absolutely, and probably the probably the most impressive thing that Ten Hag has done is manage that situation in a really honest, open way, and gone. You're not you're not starting for me. And as much as the pressure from, I imagine he had pressure from the board. He'll have had a little bit of pressure from the fans at points, and he's gone. This isn't what I want to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I build a team around what I believe. And he does believe in pressing. It's clear. And I mean, you haven't yet talked about um, last night's game, um, Trav, but I saw the second half and the amount of pressing that United were doing. It, you wouldn't have seen that last year. You, you probably haven't seen it in the last 10 years from Man United, just in the way they were going at it. And Ronaldo ain't going to do that. So ultimately, he had to make that decision. He's been brave enough to do it. And, and fair play to him. I mean, I think... It's really, really interesting, but Ronaldo's sort of shine shine through as a football player, and he's always shined through to me as a as a big individual in a team sport, and and it's not taking anything away from him, but now more than ever the team matters in football, and I think that that's possibly where where Ronaldo's starting to realise that well, as his attributes die as an individual. He needs to then sort of consider that this is a team sport and the ball's starting to go around him. And you see more and more and more of that when he's, whenever he's on the pitch. You know what his yeah. problem is, don't you? He's still referred to as Cristiano Ronaldo, whereas 36-year-old James Milner is always referred to as 36-year-old James Milner. It's about yeah. time people start... Why did no one call him 37-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo? It's like he's Peter Pan, it doesn't matter. But he, he's got to realise that he's not I'm sure in his, his head it, it, he's not near the end he could maybe do another two three years somewhere else but in terms of in the premiership like you say with the pressing the way the game is now and especially with a new Manchester United manager that wants to put on his own stamp it's yeah. just and maybe do you think that's why he wanted to leave I have no idea um, I imagine he probably wanted to leave because he 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 saw that he wasn't going to be, or someone spoke to him, imagine Ten Hag, or someone in the club said to him, it's unlikely. Um, has he subconsciously realised or started to think, maybe I'm not the player I was, and he's struggling to deal with that? And I know we'll come on to this later, but the way he sort of stomped off last night indicates that something's going on internally as well. And maybe maybe the realisation is, is sort of starting to sink in and it, it's sad to see a player go like that I've always mm. preferred it when players it's not like they need the money and need to keep going for longevity when, they, when they're not quite at the top of the game and when they're, they're probably on a slide that they're not going to come back from I think there's a decision there but ultimately the guy loves the sport the guy's have been a, a, a well-renowned player throughout the world he's probably one of the most known sportsmen that's ever lived and to have to go from that to going, I'm a fading talent, must be really difficult to accept. I think that's why it's so important as well, just elaborating on that, why that you do have a transfer policy. Because I think if you take all the emotion out of it, when Pep Guardiola moved Sergio Aguero on, there was just no fuss. Like, it was just, he got to a certain age... You could see physically that he was slowing down in terms of the way he was playing. Pep was rotating him. He was starting less games. He was still coming off the bench having an impact. But I think that relationship and that precedent set from the board and, and the tone is set from your recruitment policy and all your scouts and the people who run that, the director of football, they say they have... They have, they have the plan in their head. They already envisage what they want to do with the team. So... Even if Ronaldo was coming back, that if if a proper strategy was in place, they should have known that after a year, a top striker should have been identified to come in, regardless of whether Ronaldo was staying or not. They should have been prioritising a striker, and that's what we didn't do. And I think what Ronaldo, what happened, I think, with the Ronaldo situation is that he got very overconfident with the fact that he still scored 17 league goals and I think he thought he had all the power and the ball was in his court and he could sort of set the demands like we need to improve the players it's all about me in that sense like I've done my bit where are the signings to improve the team and then as soon as he start, his agents started touting him and saying right he might be available and then 
the, these clubs sat down and, and realised that they couldn't afford him. I think Ronaldo sort of shot himself in the foot and thought, hold on a minute, I'm a little bit stuck here. I can't get a move. And now Tanag don't want me. We had a very good pre-season. We proved that we could play without him. Mm -hmm. And I think as a fan base as well, everybody got a lot more confidence from seeing how we could play without him in the team and thought, do you know what? We can actually move, move forward without Ronaldo. So I think it's slowly disintegrated for him a, a little bit. Like he can't get a move. He's on the bench and yeah. he must be feeling really low because I know his ego is massive. So this must be really denting him, to be fair. But like you said, it's, just, it's sad and I hope we can move him on as soon as possible. You're taking the words out of my mouth. It is literally, not lucky, but Ten Hag must be thinking we're doing so well without you. This would be a yeah. different conversation if, if the first two games carried on with a, with a few more defeats, a couple of draws, struggling. Yeah. Ronaldo would be sitting there rubbing his hands thinking this is playing mm. out exactly the way I wanted it. So yeah. fair, fair play to Ten Hag. And yeah, on the subject of doing well, that leads you straight into the Spurs game. From the bits I've seen, and obviously the headline I've already quoted, they look like yeah. Liverpool. It, it looked like a resounding victory. Yeah, from start to finish, it was dominant. Like, we just didn't give Tottenham a sniff, like Obi was saying as well with the pressing. Um, Ericsson was, again, unavailable, so we started Fred. And I want to give a special mention to Fred because it's weird. Like, when he's good, he's really good. And when he's bad, he's so bad. You just don't know what Fred you're going to get. But it's so frustrating because is a player in there like there's so much ability in there like he, I don't think he's going to be a massive goal scorer but in terms of creativity winning the ball back he is a very very good modern day box-to-box -box player but he's just not consistent enough and I don't know whether that's down to the fact that he doesn't he's not first choice and we've got other options but I think Casemiro coming in has really helped us and I think it helps Fred as well because they play together for Brazil. So they've already got that relationship there. And I think that was sort of the foundation and gave us the platform to go and perform that the way we did. I think Anthony's been brilliant since he's come in. Um, I think he's hit the ground running, really. And he, he's a real threat the way he comes in and, and shooting, coming in off, off his left foot. He looks like he's going to score every time he attacks. But I just think there was a real intensity about the way we played. Um, Tottenham only had a few real half chances there wasn't much for De Gea to do and I think again the, the fact that we're keeping clean sheets the fact that we're defending well now is giving everybody that self-confidence that they can just concentrate on the attacking and and the positive thing for me is that it, it's going to get better as well offensively because when we get a top class striker who can hold the ball up bring players into play because obviously Rashford can stretch teams well, there's going to be teams, obviously, like that will come to Old Trafford and not leave that sort of space in behind. And I think that's still where we 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 can improve and where we struggle a little bit, like the Newcastle game when when we need to break a team down. I still think there's a few doubts over that. But yesterday was by far the best performance we've seen under Ten Hag, and every, and and the fans are, are buzzing. They're on side. They like the ruthlessness of Ten Hag as well, making the decision. Um, with Ronaldo and that, and I think he's gaining points from that. So, yeah, long may it continue, boys. Honestly, it's really good. I'm smiling because I know you're buzzing. I'm in the same group chat <laughs> as you. <laughs> You've been throwing the sauce It's been around. a while. I've had three years of pain on the <laughs> Wally Gunner, and it, it killed me. It killed me. So to come out of it on the other side, man, I'm just there's looking... no light at the end of the tunnel. Well, there is now. I'm just looking now, yeah. yeah. So it's three clean sheets in a row. And three games that where Casemiro and Fred have started together is is yeah. Casemiro giving Fred that confidence? Is is he the partner that Fred is would have always loved at cl club football to perform like he does on the international stage? I think so personally because we've always had like him and McTominay sort of have it been confused with the roles. They're both box to box midfielders, but one of them's been asked to sit in our team for so long. And that's something that Oli went with when I think when I think it was Oli's second first season. 
Spurs played us under Mourinho and they beat us six one at Old Trafford and from that point he went Fred and McTominay. He didn't he didn't play that originally. He played a four three three with Herrera, Matic and Pogba. He had two eights and a six. And as soon as Tottenham smashed us, he went to two sixes and thought, right, I'm gonna shut up shop with two holding players. And he got some success with it, but it was very limited. It wasn't a style that was gonna go out and compete at the highest level. It was just Right, we don't want to get beat, we'll nick it with the quality that we've got. That's basically what Oli based his philosophy on. That's how I felt in his tenure. And I think even neutral fans didn't see Manu as a threat then. Even though we was finishing second, we got to the Europa League final or anything. I think even as Liverpool fans, you two didn't really even take us seriously at that point. But I think you can see now under this manager, and I know it's still early days, but the ceiling and the potential for the squad and where we can go under this manager, I think it's a lot higher. And I think people are seeing that now. Again, with the defensive solidarity after the first two games, because he had a tough start to the season, I think he's really turned it round, And we're starting to see some really positive front foot performances. So I'm, I'm very pleased. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say it and bored of saying it. You've got to win your home games. OB, that's Man United beat or sourced, as Trav would say. Liverpool, Arsenal and Spurs all at home. You've got to win your home games. That's three impressive wins. I've said a couple of times in the last eight, nine, ten years to you in our group chat, I think Man United are back. And you're normally the voice of reason that calms me down because I do overreact and say they're not back. Don't worry, they're not back. OB, are they closer to being back? Do Do you know what bothers me more than anything else is... I think they're well on the way, Scott. I really do. And I think it's that spine. So I think there's three key additions that he's brought into that team that really make a difference. And it's Martinez at the back, Casemiro and Ericsson. And I think they've just changed the dynamic of how they play. So um, after the Liverpool game finished, um, I switched over to the Man United game last night and they're just dominant. They were just dominant in every single aspect of the game against a Spurs team who should be doing a lot better than that. Now, whether Spurs set up the wrong way or not, you can only play what's in front of you. And United didn't give them a sniff. They weren't getting a chance to settle on the ball. And we're talking in the second half here. We're not talking at the start of a game and getting into a team in the first 15 minutes. And that says to me that Ten Hag's got that team fitter. He's got them sharper. He's got them in positions that he wants them to be in his team. He's probably got the key personnel in the right places. And where he hasn't, he's taught the other players about what they need to do and what he wants them to do. And he's probably taking no prisoners on the training ground, but it's starting to pay off. Um, Back to what extent, I don't know. Uh, Will he be competing for the top four? Absolutely. Will he be competing for the title? I think it's possibly a little bit early, but they're in the mix. They're in the mix at this point of the season. And we all know... And I keep chirping on about it, but the World Cup is going to be a big, a big um, key moment in this season. And when people come back, um, who's going to be fit, who's not, and whatever team's lucky enough to have players fit or players in good condition when they come back, or enough players not go to the World Cup, um, they could kick on. And, and United are in that group, Scott. And mm-hmm. I know I normally would go, I ah, don't worry about it, but I'm a little bit concerned. I must admit, I am. Yeah, and it's easy. It's easy to see why, Trav. Let me just say this one thing. Yeah, go on. Yeah, you, go made, on. you made five big signings in the summer. Um, the three that OB just mentioned, obviously Ericsson was on a free, so you didn't buy him, but signings, Malassia and Anthony in with that. From a rival point of view, for me and OB, we needed one, maybe two of them to be crap and be duds and be bad. And all five great. of them have gone straight into the side made you better and that's half a team there half a side that are going to be yeah. uh, eating out of Ten Hag's hands which is exactly yeah. what he needs for the rest of the and yeah it's you live and die by your signings and it looks like Ten Hag has made a fantastic start sorry mate over to I just want to no I just wanted to mention Luke Shaw because you hit the nail on the head as well and I think We've been down this road so many times with Luke Shaw where we just know he's got undoubted quality. And when we first signed him before he broke his leg, he was unbelievable at Southampton. Absolutely unbelievable. He was only, I think he was 21 when we signed him. Then he broke his leg. 
And he's just had so many issues, not necessarily with injuries, but just fitness and mentality and just desire and wanting to be in the team. And BMI. Enough. (laughs) (laughs) But he's never had any real competition. I think that's why the Malassia thing is so great, because Malassia is actually, since the City game, he's actually not started the last three games, which is fine because he's still young, but it's, it's kicked Shaw into gear, do you know what I mean? And now he's seeing some really good performances from Shaw. So fingers crossed, I hope Shaw can stay um, on this form because it's good for England as well. When he plays for England and he's playing this well, it's a fantastic addition for England as well because he is a top, top quality player when he's on form, but he just doesn't show it consistent enough. But what I was just going to say before that is, isn't it just such a competitive league this year at the top? Because when you think a team is like going to put a run together, then they stumble. Like I think with United, we had won the last couple, then we draw to Newcastle. Same with Chelsea, they start winning two, three on the spin, and then they draw to Brentford yesterday. And it's just like the top four race, well, the title race, we don't know even because Arsenal are up there setting the pace, but... You just don't know who's going to pick up points against anyone at the moment in this league. And I think that's what makes it so intriguing, doesn't it? Yeah, you'd be mad to try and place a bet on who'd finish top four. It I can't, I can't call it. Any from so six, I, easy. Yeah, I had, a, I had a little look online. And um, for the title itself, Liverpool are third favourites, mm. which I found really surprising behind yeah. Arsenal and obviously City were favourites. And I was thinking... I don't see how what they're basing that on. They're basing mm. that on that they probably think that the experience would probably see them through. But, I mean, for me, it's really difficult to pick. I think Tottenham have surprised me how poor they've been. And, and once again, I don't want to take anything away from Man United, but I didn't think I don't think Tottenham are firing. And they've lost the weight of Arsenal no. and they've lost the weight of Man United. And they're, they're key games for them. Mm. Um, and... Chelsea don't look right, but then other games they look as if they've hit a bit of form and then they've stopped starting. Mm. Obviously, Liverpool had a poor start, as did United, who recovered slightly quicker. And I'm, I'm not even convinced by City. City have had a couple of draws and a loss now, and it's not like everybody everybody seems to be thinking at the start of the season, they're just going to run away with it, all the Haaland type and everything. And mm. it, I, I don't see an unbeatable team or a team who are just going to run away away with it at the moment. So it is really interesting. Like I say, we've got this additional mix of the World Cup and and what happens off the back of that is going to be really, really key. I think the thing with City, and it it normally tells in the end, is they've obviously got the best squad. So they've got two world-class 60 million players in every position. So when everyone else starts dealing with injuries, they deal with it a lot better. And like you say, the World Cup will be another addition to that another variable so it'll be interesting to see but it is definitely i'm just looking at the league table now it is hotting up like like you say spurs you think uh, are they good enough are they doing enough they're in third 23 points chelsea graham potter's won all five matches his first five apart from the one he's just drew so that's five wins and a draw in six liverpool have obviously hit a bit of form and just some Live results coming through before we get on to Liverpool. Fulham are beating Aston Villa 3 0. Do you think tonight's the night Gerard gets the, yeah. the sack? Yeah, uh, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. He's got to go. The data 10 I've, men. I've never rated him as a manager anyway, no, and I didn't no, ever no. think he would be a good manager. And I've always said that I thought that he was a, he was a great player. He went up to Rangers. I think, I think it was relatively easy. Um, you're just competing against one 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 other team. Let's be honest. And if you yeah. can get the better of that, and he, he he took the benefit of some loans at Rangers and 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 contacts that he had within the the, uh, the like the, within football when it helped him out loads. But let let's be honest, he he's never shown anything that I thought he was. And I love him a bit, but he was going ever going to be a yeah. great manager. I just don't think he's got the. I don't think he's he's got that that going for him. Great player, but doesn't necessarily transform into being a great manager. It was madness, mm. madness him leaving Rangers. He was he like you say he could have stayed there on gardening leave, waiting for the Liverpool job in two or three years' time. If he was to be in the mix, I know Obi's got um, strong feelings against it. Um, but even Coutinho's not playing now. 
of, of just checking now. He's, he's on the bench now. He's not even brought him on. He didn't play the last game. So even Coutinho's star is fading. And like you say, Leicester... How are Leicester doing? 2-0 up at Leeds. Uh, against Leeds, sorry, at home. Wow. Wow, that's big. That's they, huge. That takes them off that. the bottom, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, live standings. Yeah, they're off the bottom. Forrester yeah. down there now, who Liverpool have got on Saturday. We're not going to do any previews for Forrest and Chelsea because you two don't know it yet, but we're going to do another stream tomorrow night. Now that we're back, boom, if yours are available, okay. of course. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay, right, so let's let's get on to Liverpool. OB, I was in Greece, oh. obviously, I watched it. Um, so, oh, here we go. You take the right, floor. Boys, I'm ducking out, I'm gone. Oh. <laughs> right, so, as predicted, Liverpool won the game. I don't know why anybody thought it was ever in doubt. Um, <laughs> as, I, as I advertised and let everybody know last week, it was always going to happen. No, in all seriousness, I thought... I thought Klopp absolutely done Pep again. Got into his head again. Got him. I mean, Pep did something strange with his team. He had he was playing people out of position. But Klopp basically went four four two, which was a huge surprise to everybody. Um, he was very clever in the way he did it. Um, used Salah really cleverly. We got the break in some of the key decisions, but I think every every major decision was right and. Um, Salah's a man, isn't he? Big game, big moment. Um, he had one that was saved brilliantly, and then the second time round, he just he just done the business in it. And the moment it went through, Guardiola was down on his knees in the technical box, rolled up Begging. like a ball. Begging. He thought, "I've got away with one. I ain't getting away with a second one." And um, never in doubt. And then um, they did. He just saw it through. I mean, it's it's another case of caught up in the Anfield atmosphere in a big, massive game. It does happen a lot. Um, there's a few new players there. Um, and they, I, I, I didn't think City played terribly, but I thought, in particular, Van Dijk dealt with Haaland brilliantly. As and did Gomez. Gomez. Yeah. And, it, and it does show that if you man-mark that guy, it suddenly becomes a different thing. Now, I've seen Haaland scored, obviously, lots of goals. I haven't watched every game that he scored all them goals in. But the key for me is a lot of them goals that are scoring, you think he's in a lot of space. So it's either his movement's brilliant or nobody's man marking him. And I think there's a little bit of a latter going on. And I don't understand why teams aren't going, you just stick to him all day. I mean, it might be because he's six foot five and he, he's going to win the ball in the air anyway. It could be that. But for me, it, it, surely that's the basics. And surely that's the basics what we should start with. Klopp did that. He made sure his. His centre-backs handed over um, each way. James Milner was magnificent, even though, I mean, I've had my doubts about him for a little while. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, Scott, I mean, no, neither of us would have expected that from him. No, no. And I put a, a Facebook uh, apology to James Milner straight after the game. You think uh, you read it? Trav you did what? <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Trav, you're you're not on Facebook, so as soon as it was no. full time, I just wrote on Facebook, James Milner, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't put a foot wrong. It was it was on about the seventieth yeah. or the seventy fifth minute. This old fellow in Greece watched me. He said, "I tell you what, your lad James Milner hasn't put a foot wrong." I said, "You're right. He's been he's been fantastic." Um, and to go back to Harland, on the last stream, I made a Robocop <laughs> comment. And I'm going to pull out Robocop again. I was a massive Robocop fan in the 80s. Do you remember in Robocop 2 when Kane and his gang, they worked out all they had to do was get a giant magnet and mm. get Robocop on the magnet and just take him to pieces. Yeah. Well, that was Van Dyke and Gomez with these two <laughs> magnets on the robot. Shield, shielded the goal. And yeah, you know, obviously he could have scored one or two. He had, he had a sniff, but he's of course he's going to get a yeah. sniff in 90 minutes. But... Yeah, the whole back four, I could literally say a paragraph about every player, even Robertson Obi coming back after what a month out, two months out yeah, before absolutely. the international break, and he did not miss a beat. 
He didn't put a foot no. wrong. He played the whole 90 minutes, did he? Did Robertson play? Yeah, did they bring yeah I think he did. Yeah. And I think they brought Simakas on towards the end. But the, what what Klopp also did was he used Jota and um, Elliot yeah. to protect his fullback. So basically, um, Foden had no space. There was no there was no ability for them to go down down the sides of us. Um, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. It's like he'd, he'd, he'd watched them and he thought, right, okay, I'm going to make sure... The, stop the supply into them, um, manage the supply into them, and just be tight onto them and give them no time, no space, no ability to go forward. And um, I, I think that made a massive difference in the game. Just the system he played and the way he chose to approach that game made a huge difference. And it made it made the defenders look better than they are. If I'm if I'm being totally candid, because. Milner didn't really get expansive, and he didn't have to. It wasn't part of the part of the, the game. Same with Robbo, and it, it didn't have to, and it just worked. It was really, really intelligent. And I don't know whether Guardiola just didn't expect it, or whether he just—I I don't know. I don't know what City do when they go there. Honestly, I think I think we're in the, we're in his head. And we consistently yeah, seem to I, get result over there. I think, I think as well, yeah. Um, I just thought you were playing too poorly to get a result at the time. But it's the one game where I think Pep is a little bit worried and he always tends to tweak his system a little bit. I mean, if you looked at the midfield, it had like Rodri, Bernardo, Foden and De Bruyne in. And they normally go with two wide players like Grealish and Mares or Grealish and one other, either side of Haaland. And I just thought it was the first time where I thought Pep was a little bit worried about the balance of the team. And, it, and I'm, I'm not sure he could figure it out. Because like, I know sometimes De Bruyne like took, be tucked in off that right-hand side where he whips that ball in from the right. And he likes to take that inside right channel position. But he doesn't like to do it as a permanent fixture, especially in a game where he has to track the other way. It's not his natural game. So I found that he found himself out on the right, a little bit isolated, and he couldn't really protect. And Robertson had a lot of joy to earn when you watch the game in, in, in that sense. So I think he should have either just been bold and stuck to the way he was playing with the two wider players and tried to pin your fullbacks back. Or he had to sacrifice one of those midfielders because it was sort of like a bit of a lopsided diamond. And I think you dominated the midfield. You could get about them in terms of that press quite well. Um, and I don't think they could get the natural width in the game that they normally have. Um, when I saw like Nathan Aki playing at left back, I thought he ain't getting five Milner. Do you know what I mean? Milner's old school. I know Milner's quite old, but. He ain't gonna be like overlapping um, around around the sides and stuff. So I thought tactically, I wouldn't say they got it horribly wrong, but I just think Pep was quite tentative. His record at Anfield's not great, and I think he goes into that game now not wanting to lose. And like you said, I think psychologically Liverpool have, have got their number a little bit. Yeah we, yeah, we said it. We said it on the last stream. Um, I asked Ob at the end, "Do you think Pep will?" recognize that we're a bit in the mud or will he play the same intensity of Liverpool that he's experienced in the last couple of years because you didn't know what and if anything he buckled on the pressure and he got it wrong whereas mm. Liverpool on the other hand we're, uh, it's confidence I, sometimes I've got to use the word arrogance where we're arrogant we just play our game and think we're better than the team and we'll just blast the team And it, but it's not as confidence but we still sometimes play with the same confidence even though we're below the standards that we've set whereas Sunday we played the opposition we looked at Man City and we thought we don't want to be too expansive obviously we had Robertson back from a long term injury Milner coming in at right back so the first thing we were thinking was we're going to have um, the wingers covering the fullbacks, giving the extra protection, not being too confident or arrogant, waiting for our chances, knowing they'd come. And it was it was almost 90 minutes of perfection. The what? Yeah, I mean... What about what, Trent then? Because obviously he's not started the last couple now. Well, this is the thing. Um, I, I said to OB in the group chat uh, the next day, because we were obviously talking about it for a couple of days, and I said Trent could have played against Man City 
if he was being protected by Elliot like Milner was. Is that a yeah. problem? Is, is is Trent so used to not being a traditional fullback where him himself is always in centre mid? So it's not even like he's not getting covered. He's not doing his own position. Whereas Milner yeah. was a right back with the protection, doubling up to stop Foden. And it, it you know, it's, it's a 90 minute game. It worked to perfection. So where we go with Trent after this, obviously we'll get on to West Ham soon. Um, yeah. but the point I wanted to make to OB was with this change of formation, I know we call it a, a 4-4-2, a four-two-three-one, a four-two-four. It looks like the four-three-three. I don't know if it's dead or maybe he Klopp's using the plays he's got at his disposal with all the injuries. But do you think Salah being more central now, a bit like Mane was for the last six months of last season when Diaz came in and was excelling on the left? Do you see that is is going forward? It, that Salah it needs to be utilized more in the centre. Salah is a great central striker um we did it a few years ago where we moved to it was a 4-2-3-1 and he was playing in front um in quite a lot of the games and um he's brilliant in that position i think i think Klopp probably prefers him in his natural role out on the on the um on the right um i think that salah seems to really fancy himself through the middle and I think it worked. It was the biggest moment in the game. So De Bruyne took a free kick. It was poor. Went into Allison. Allison hits the ball. And Salah's literally just, I mean, he's, he just got there before Cancelo. Before Cancelo can even react, he's through. That's not, that's not something that a winger does. Now, I know Salah's not a regular winger, but that's not something a winger does. That's a striker for me. That's what a striker should be doing. That's the moment that probably very few players in the Premier League could do and execute so absolutely rapidly. And it, it was like a blink of an eye. He was through and he was gone. And Cancelo knew it and Guardiola knew it. Everybody knew he was going to put the ball in the back of the net that time. And um, I do like him through the middle. I'd also say Darwin looks good through the middle as well. And it's just about working out what we need to do. I, I think four four two could work. Um particularly away from home. So I think Klopp might keep using it. He might revert back to 4-3-3 at points. He might be sending a message to the board going, look, I can't, I can't just leave three midfielders in the middle of the pitch with what I've got currently. I need to do something different in the meantime. And maybe, maybe that's, that's, that's what he's doing. He's, he's acknowledging that he hasn't got the legs in midfield or he hasn't got enough players with young legs. And therefore, he needs to he needs to look at different alternatives. But it's really inventive. It's really unusual for we've had seasons of four three three, and we could almost pick the team. And now it's it's literally it's it's interesting to see every lineup. It's interesting to see the first five minutes how you think they're going to set up because you really don't know. And even even looking at the back end of the game last night, he moved to a four five one for the last ten minutes, which is. I've never seen Klopp do that before, so it's almost like he's 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 looking for solutions in in the in the in the formation, which is very different to what he's done previously. Yeah, and I think when you talk about the four two four or the four four two, Salah doesn't want to be on the right side of that uh, the four 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 two or even the four two four because he don't want to be helping Trent out defending or Milner. Does he? And, and nor do we want Salah there. We don't want Salah in defensive positions. So, like you say, it might just be evolving into it. But again, it might be because of the players at their disposal. And the elephant yeah. in the room is Bobby Firmino because we keep talking about Nunes in the middle, Salah in the middle. But Bobby, is he's, he's undroppable at the minute. He is. And he, he, I do think his best position is probably just behind so if you played the the four four two, you'd have to be careful how you played him. It has to be almost a diamond in midfield, um, and you've got to be very careful because you can leave yourself exposed to space in behind. But he does a lot of good defensive work, so it's he's an interesting one, and it gives us a lot of different options against teams with different strengths. And at certain points of the game, particularly on Sunday against City, we were happy to give up the ball for long periods of time, knowing we were sound defensively and we had. Then banks in and we were tight 
and we weren't given any space to them to to and De Bruyne how often did De Bruyne look up and not be able to play a pass into into where we wanted to play into because we basically blocked them out yeah let's give a special mention to Alisson's save from Haaland down low to his right I thought that was mm. a go every, every every second of of the footage I was like oh my god Alisson got down so fast but he didn't just save it and and put it into the path of another City player. It actually yeah. went out to the right. It was a fantastic save. I was going to say, it's almost a renaissance of the team. seems to be on Alisson hitting particularly good form and Van Dijk as well. So yeah. these two guys are back, big players, um, and they seem to have changed our fortunes in the last few games. And everything seems to be revolving because these guys are really back at, at the top of the game. Mm-hmm. I think I think with Milner coming back into the team, I know he's received a lot of criticism because of just purely because of his age and his physicality in certain games. I think Klopp sort of hung him out to dry in certain situations, like inadvertently where he had injuries and he's played in the midfield against young legs and it's just killed him. But I think in that particular game, in the City game, I think it was quite telling because of uh, the players that he picked, like Harvey Elliott and stuff, in and around him. I think he's picked players that he feels he can trust. And I think he's gone back to basics. He said, right, we need to start defending better. We'll get on to the West Ham game. But it's two clean sheets in a row and it's sort of no surprise. Do you know what I mean? I, I think some he stumbled across certain team selections with like Trent being out and stuff like that. But... Sometimes it's a bit of a blessing in disguise when things like that happen because Milner playing in that Man City game was probably the best thing that could have happened to the club at that time because he sort of sets the tone in those sorts of games just with his overall attitude and his demeanour and what the energy he sets through the whole team. And I just think you, you were pumped. You could see with the way that you approached it, the fans in the stadium as well made Anfield very hostile and intimidating for any team to play there. So I just think your overall attitude and approach to that game was excellent. And you obviously took that into the West Ham game. Yeah, I think, uh, like you say, let's not forget that Milner, he, he was there for a scrap. He was like a good old-fashioned right-back. I'm going to kick lumps yeah. out of you, put you up in the air, let you know you're in a game. And sometimes that's what you, you need, need for that type of game. And what a, yeah. what an opportunity for Harvey Elliott as well. I I wonder how much of putting Milner at right-back was knowing he had the the stamina of Harley, Harvey Elliott to protect him on the right-hand side, which, again, yeah. I'm not sure Henderson has got in his game. I was going to say any more, but that, that feels harsh. But it, it might be yeah. true, Obi. I'm not sure if this is the start of Henderson's decline. Has he, has he got that stamina? I know he's got his injury problems. The start? The start? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You know I've been calling him Pirlo for the last couple of years. Oh, I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> I think I think with Elliot as well. I think Elliot positionally was really intelligent in that game, and I think that that showed maturity um, alongside young legs and and the ability to just know when to drop back and know when to go forward. And it's really interesting because one of the things you probably could level at Trent, and it's hard not to, is positionally he's not always the best. But certain players get it sometimes and certain players don't. It looks like Harvey Elliott's a real um, student of the game and he looks like he's really training hard and he's being thoughtful about what he's doing and he's, he's really pushing himself. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops over the next few years. Yeah, definitely. That, that brings us on to um, the West Ham game. So Trent obviously come back in it right back. And did you see any of the game, Trav? I did not watch the Liverpool West Ham no. game to be honest. No, we were, I didn't. No. We were in cruise control pretty much for the first half until the penalty, and then Milner come on in the eighty-first minute, Ob, and I said he was our man of the match. And I'm not sure if any, enough people have picked up on Talk Sports, Sky Sports. Milner got a challenge in on the ninetieth minute. Yeah. It was a certain goal. Allison's getting the credit for saving it, but it was Milner that got the tackle in, and it all stemmed from Alexander Arnold. I was going to say missing a ball. He should have come in to head it, but Jurgen Klopp's mentioned the wind. I don't know yeah. whether the wind took it, and he he pulled out and he let it drop basically. Who was it that turned him inside out? Was it Ben Rama? That's Ben Rama, yeah. Ben Rama 
Trent fell to the floor, he got the cross in, and you just thought, Jesus, this is the last thing that Trent needs right now. All us Liverpool need is to drop two points in the 90th minute at home. And Milner, Milner, yeah, Trent error. Milner came out of nowhere, got the tackle in, deflected it onto Allison's knee, and it went out for a, a corner. But Jesus Christ, yeah. OB, what were you thinking there? And I just thought, this cannot be happening. Yeah, I thought it was in. I thought yeah, he scored because because of the, the the angle that you watch it on the on the telly. I thought it was in and um, such a good tackle, such an important moment off Milner. He basically saved the point there, and um, it, some sometimes these moments are meant to be, aren't they? And it's yeah. like um, he he positionally was in the right place. Um, he timed the, he timed his lunge, and it was a lunge at the right moment, and we just we got away with one. I mean, it was. It's an interesting game, and like you say, you put, you're very accurate. Um, we probably should have been four or five nil up early on. And um, Nunes is—he's it's a mad. It's going to be some roller coaster ride with him at the club <laughs> because he—he he literally goes from line unplayable because he's he's pacey, he's strong, and his touch can be absolutely magnificent, and then. Within five or ten seconds, he, he can't trap a ball. Um, he's playing the ball with the outside of his foot and missing it. The ball's coming through and he's back heeling it back to the guy who's, who's passed the ball to him without even knowing what's going on. And it's like, it's, it's astonishing to watch. I've never seen a player with so many extremes on a football field. <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know whether it's just that he's clearly got the ability because he's doing it some of the time and whether he's putting himself under enormous pressure. Um, his pace, I mean, I think last night, what did you say, Scott? Did he hit 38 kilometres an hour? I think it's the Premier League record or it's, it, it is, at yeah. the very least, it's this season and last season. Last season no, was Kyle Walker. Is it all-time Premier League record? All-time, yeah. I think Kyle Walker was a couple of years ago and um, that is the quickest. And to be going quicker than Carl Walker, who I've seen live and I know is very, very pacey, um, that's some going. He is quick. Positionally, he's clever. His movement is fantastic. But like I say, it's, he's, he's a, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. It, he, he, I, don't, I lost for words when I talk about him sometimes because he goes from brilliant to terrible to brilliant to terrible. And that's just in one move. And it's like, you don't, know what, you don't know what to do. But then I suppose it's like everything. If, if the, you don't know what you're going to do, or you don't know what you're going to do in the next two or three seconds, how can your opposition know? And it's yeah. almost like he, yeah. he he relies on instinct. He's an instinctive player. Um, Klopp's put a big thing out about him today, saying he's working really hard and he's loving the improvements that he's seeing on and off the pitch. So I suppose if he's moving in the right direction, he gets a bit of consistency. We've got a hell of a player there, but it's sometimes it's really difficult to watch. Yeah, maybe the four four two might suit him then because yeah, like, I think it will. With with having somebody closer to him that he can do little combinations with, and somebody to run off who can slip yeah. him in and stuff like that, and they can communicate because he's young he might need somebody alongside him telling him where to run you go short I'll go in behind sometimes you need that communication constant with somebody next to you a strike partner you can sort of coach you through games sometimes it's like any sort of partnership isn't it if you've got a young centre-half next to an experienced centre-half the experienced centre-half will coach him through a game same with the midfield partnership he might just need a striker or a partner who's going to coach him through a game a little bit to help him settle. And that that might be you're... that might be why it's almost not almost the end. It might be the beginning of the end of four three three for as well. Ob, the last thing yeah. Nunes needs if he's going to be our central striker, the last thing he needs is a, a Salah and a Mane or a Diaz now yeah. cutting inside, wanting their own goals. He doesn't need that. So maybe with a four four two with a strike partner and two wingers. Loading the bullets as well, like like Trav just alluded to there. Maybe this is us gearing up to to play to his strengths. Um, but Travis yeah. said to Ob the other day, just to follow on from what Ob said, there's times where Nunes looks like a competition winner, 
Or do you ever remember that time in pre-season? Where... Won a raffle. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever remember that time in pre-season where I think it was Lee Chapman or Tony Cotty got someone out of the, um, crowd, out of the crowd who was having a go at him in a pre-season for West Ham? Do you ever remember that, Obi? Back in the yeah, 90s. Do, yeah. And he got yeah, on the boots yeah, and he yeah. went on and had 10 minutes. That's yeah. sometimes what Nunes looks like. But then at other times, like you say... Trav, you got to get this TikTok up and running because yeah. when Nunes hit the post last night, do you remember when Suarez hit the post against Arsenal, OB, in 13-14? Yeah, Spun yeah. and just cracked the post. I want you to make a TikTok of Suarez, then Nunes, both in Exactly the, the same. They're, they're going to go in. The only, thing, the only thing that disappointed me with that was he followed that up. So he spun, he hit the inside of the post, the ball come back out to him, and he squiffed it. He basically just... <laughs> hit it with his, his right foot, which is his weaker foot, and it went off at a right angle. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't get how someone can be so amazing in one moment and literally do the complete opposite the next. And it's, it's astonishing to watch. Um, but it's like I say, it's going to be some ride. And I think he's going to score some of the best goals we're going to see in Premier League history. I really do. <laughs> but I also think he's going to, he's going to have his own howler, um, his own howler reel, and I think that's that, that's that's going to be there as well. So it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's interesting. It's exciting to watch. Um, that I'm, chance he I'm had sure. in the first half, Obi, on the volley. Oh, if my he just goodness. doesn't hit the goalkeeper, and that flies yeah. in like a rocket. So, so he basically took a through ball. He's about twenty-five yards from goal, and he took it on the full and just smashed it. And it's gone straight down the throat of the keeper. But yeah, yeah, it it. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The keeper made a great save by going backwards to tip it over the bar. But anywhere else in it, it just blew in, and it had been, yeah. and it was a, been an astonishing goal. But like I say, and then there was another time where he was passed. It, the ball was put through to him. He's running through, and he's back heeled it without even knowing it. Back to I don't know. I think it was Declan Rice or someone. I just picked the ball up like it was nothing, and I was thinking. That looked relatively easy to do, but I think he sometimes he try to go too quick. But if he's gonna if he's gonna get a run on run on people and get away with it two three times a game, and and the header for the goal was absolutely brilliant. I mean the cross from Simakas was fantastic, and he really really made his mark with a fantastic head. It was unstoppable, and um, it's just it would just be interesting to see what happened. But it's it is astonishing to watch. Yeah, if that what like, sort of mood was um, Jurgen in? Uh, yeah, it, it was it was quite a quiet game in that sense. Like you say, we almost went into protective mode second half, didn't we, Obi? We made a lot of changes, yeah. try to rotate the squad, keep the squad, keep them fresh, especially after the City game only forty eight hours earlier or two two and a half days earlier. So it, and it took the intensity out of the game for for Liverpool. And like you say, West Ham could have nicked um, at least a draw. So yeah. what? What what I would say as well is I thought um, Declan Rice was particularly good in the game, and he grew into the game, and he got better and better. And and for me, I, I keep I keep looking at two players and thinking I'd love them in our midfield, and, and it's Jude Bellingham and Declan Rice, and I'd take either. I really would take either. But but Rice ended up I think Alan McCoy on Amazon give him man of the match, even though he was on the losing team, and I think that was probably fair. Um, He's got everything. He's got absolutely everything. And it was for me, it was like one of them where I would love to have that guy in, in a Liverpool shirt because he, he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's top draw. He stands out every time you watch West Ham. So, um, yeah, again, but what kind of price? What kind of price are you talking? Surely that, that would rule Liverpool out if we're, even if we're dreaming of ever trying to sign Bellingham, which I don't think we're going to be in the running, but... Surely yeah. Declan Rice is only going to a Man United or a Chelsea or a Man City. We just couldn't afford him, could we? No, and I don't. I don't think we'll we'll be in the market to to outbid any of them teams as well and and pay the wages every week. So it is disappointing. But I would. I mean, I would love the club to just go out and go. Okay, this is our marquee signing. We know we need to reinvent midfield, and we're going to build our new midfield around Declan Rice or Jude Bellingham. Or in in yeah, I don't know where maybe both. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Wow, Why not? We'll, we'll, go, we'll go for both. We'll go for both. Why don't we go out and spend two hundred and eighty 
million or whatever and try and land both of them. <laughs> well, you see, imagine that. You see, you imagine your best TV watching this right now. Yeah, we're not spending anything. <laughs> the thing is, you laugh, but in my opinion, we're going to have to. Maybe not two marquee signings like that, but with Keita, Milner, and Oxay Chamberlain all leaving, almost certain to be leaving in six months' time, we're going to have to buy two or three centre mids. So, you know, what kind of price are you talking? Are, are we trying to find bargain basement 20 million 20 year olds? Or are we nah, trying, trying to buy maybe another Tiago, 25 million, 29 years old? In the last year of his deal, like it's, this summer is going to Liverpool. Liverpool will spend money. Don't get it twisted. Liverpool will spend money. Like I've said, over the last few years, you've had your net spend shield that you've been trying to protect <laughs> for so long. But you've got lucky with some of the outs that you've had in terms of the transfer fees that you've recouped for them. Like the Coutinho and the Suarez ones stick out like a sore thumb. But even like Dominic Solanke's and players like that, that you've got big money for. Rian Brewster. You've always, yeah, Rian Brewster. And, and like you said, you might have had to do those deals to afford the deals that you've got. I don't know. But I still think, like like this season, you you went and bought Nunes 80 million. Do you know what I mean, that, I think that fee's gone a little bit under the radar in terms of what you spent on him. Um, I'm, no, this isn't me, like, subliminally putting pressure on Liverpool, by the way. I'm just stating the fact. I'm just saying, you you do spend the money, you recoup a lot of it back, and it's a yeah, good yeah. business model. Do you know what I mean? That, that is me praising you. It's a very good business model. But like you said, going forward, you might have to let the purse strings a little bit looser and, and not expect to recoup as much money as you've done in the past in well, order to thing. compete. That's the thing. Them three leaders But I think you're capable of it. I do think you're capable of it, though. I mean... I don't know what the situation with, is with the stadium. I mean, you guys will know more than me in terms of the plans for expansion and stuff and what you're looking to do with that. And that might restrict you. Like, that might restrict you. I think that's what we're I think spending it, it all on. Yeah, I think um, from what I've read today, obviously they're expanding the, uh, the Anfield Road. And I read today that, that there's rumours that they're looking at expanding the, the Kenny Daglish as well. So right. that might get even bigger. And then there's people talking about, do they then need to do something with the cop end? And how big is this ground actually going to be? I think there'll be restrictions in the local area because it's in a residential area. So they might be, they might be held back a little bit. But if, they, if, they, if they're getting a lot of people in there every week, they'll be bringing additional revenue in and that will help them um, with the long-term future around spending a bit more money. Um, I don't know how much of it's paid for though. And, that, and that's the thing. Whether we're paying for, we've already paid for it, and we're going to go big, and that's what we've held back a couple of years to make sure we're paid for it, or whether we've still got to pay for it, and we're going to see this this tight net spend based um, approach that we've seen over the last sort of three or four years. Oh, shudder at the thought of I, know, I, I don't want to be. I don't want me and you to be grey, and in our sixties next time we challenge. I want to be challenging now and ride the crest of this wave of Jurgen Klopp in the last five or six years so yeah, I just I just hope I hope we spend um but yeah but West Ham so six points out of six and obviously the first half OB I was texting the group chat we are back we're back because it was a matter of time before it went 2-0 3-0 and then in the second half yeah. we're holding on and and now because we ended that second half a little bit on the back foot trying to protect the 1-0 lead it, it makes you look more towards the squad thinking it's a bit patched up Jürgen's trying yeah. to preserve the players, to making subs and thinking there's just too many injuries to 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 think we're back. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that, and I think I think as well this is where your key experienced players come through. So Milner Milner made a great tackle at the end that saved us saved us from um, ended up drawing the game. I thought Allison was great once again. I thought Van Dijk had done really really well again, and it's like these players are coming through for us at the moment. But you can't keep relying them, and we need to start thinking about how do we find our next wave of players because there's quite a few players in that squad who are now 30 and above, and we need to be very careful how we manage that. Yeah, it's all all to be discussed 
uh, on another stream. Not right now. Obi, you haven't had dinner yet. I feel really bad for you. You look like you lost a bit of weight just in this stream. <laughs> I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's the stress of Man United doing so well and Trav's smile. <laughs> Trav's yeah. smiling ear from ear and it's making permanent stress. Permanent smile now. Permanent. I'm, we're back. We're we're ready. We're ready now. We're gonna I, I've got a good feeling about how we're going to progress under this manager. So, it's, like I said, it's still early days, but I'm very, very positive about the future and, and roll on Chelsea at Stamford Bridge Saturday evening. <laughs> that makes me sick that you're so happy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we can either do a stream Friday night or maybe Saturday morning. My girls haven't got a game Saturday morning, so I'm available, but we can sort Saturday that out. Saturday morning could be the play. Yeah, we'll sort that out yeah. in the group. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I forget to say it at the start of every single stream, so this has been going on for nearly an hour and a half, maybe. If you've liked it, please subscribe. It means a lot to us to try and get a bit of traction and support behind the channel to make some more videos and talk about the things that we love the most. Liverpool, Man United, Premier League, Champions League, Europa League. Um, so yeah, hit that like and subscribe button, guys. Travis, James, it's been a, a pleasure. It's been a long week. I wish we could have done a stream Sunday evening after Liverpool panned up Man City. So we've just done a, a double header. Um, six points for the Mighty Reds, four points for Man United, but a really encouraging performance against Spurs. So we'll be back with the next stream soon to preview Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool and Chelsea versus Manchester United. Right, gents. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. See you in the next one. See you later. Cheers, guys. See you soon. Cheers. Bye.